0: Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm a 20-year-old loan officer from California. I started this podcast back in April 2020. Got furloughed from my job for about three months. And during those three months, I was very honest with myself. I was like, we can either start emotionally eating, we can start suppressing these feelings of not feeling worthy because you've lost this thing that you attach so much of your identity to, or we can start that podcast that you've always been wanting to start. So I decided to go with that second option. And I'm so glad I did. I've interviewed over 130 people since then. It's been incredible. I've got to interview music artists and seven figure entrepreneurs and just all these incredible people with different stories and different ways of how they got to where they are and just hearing about their journey, hearing about their shit show moments because we all have shit show moments and just learning how to navigate them better and learning how to learn from them and take them and create something magical out of them. And I'm so glad that I get to interview all these incredible people And I am such a big believer that you can radically change your life in a year. You can just radically change your circumstances, where you're at. And I remember being 19 and just trying to get a job and applying to like, I was applying to Ross and like a smoothie bar and like all these places wouldn't take me and I was like so offended. I was like, why is no one taking me? And then I finally passed my NMLS test and then I got a job with a major mortgage company and I was like, oh, that's why they didn't take me because I was meant to go down and get this job instead of that job. And I went from being 19 with $0 in my bank account and just being so stressed about money and so stressed about like, is it going to come into my life? Do I, what am I going to do about this? To being 20 year old with over 60 grand in savings. And I think one of the big changes I made between those two was even when I had zero in the savings account, I still believed that I was abundant. I still believed that money was going to flow into my life. I still believed in something that I couldn't see at the time because I knew it was just a matter of time before it was going to come. So I'm such a huge believer and you can radically change your scenario. You can step into that next version of you and that next version of you, that higher self version of you, she's not that far away as you think. I think she's just, there's just garbage in the way. And it's just undercovering that garbage that's in the way of you getting to her and just stepping into that and the next version of you with the next level of results. It's something I'm super passionate about. And I hope from this podcast that you get to hear these stories and relate with these people and just relate with like, not necessarily like just reconnecting to that path of what you want to do and reconnecting to that higher version of you and what you wanted to be when you were younger and what lights you up and what brings you joy so i'm so excited for you guys to hear these episodes I would love to connect with you on instagram my instagram is the shit show of my 20s dm me i love to have a conversation and feel free to share this with someone you know will love it and you can also leave a review on itunes i would love that today's guest is dr sarah and I had so much fun chatting with her. She has such an incredible story. She's an archaeologist turned activist, woman's mentor, and author. Her purpose is to help women own their inner magic, live their dharma, not their conditioning. And we go into so many incredible things in this interview. It was so much fun for me to do. We talk about reconnecting with your magic, feminine energy versus masculine energy, how we can utilize our feminine and masculine energy in our business, who is the priestess, we talk about becoming more magnetic, what is magnetism, we go into dharma and so many other things, and she just launched this incredible book, and I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode, let's get started.
1: So thank you so much, Sarah, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. I'd love to know, let's start off with, tell me about your 20s. Feel free to include any shit show moments we might resonate with. Let's start there. Oh
2: my gosh. Well, first of all, Sophia, thank you so much for having me here. And I I was immediately drawn to the title of your podcast, The Shit Show of My 20s, because that about sums up my 20s in a nutshell. During my 20s, I was very, I was on an academic path. So I was an archaeologist for 10 years. And the reason that I chose to become an archaeologist was because I felt somewhere deep inside of me that our modern society was like missing out on some kind of ancient knowledge. I felt like I was disconnected from something and I didn't really know what it was. I just kind of felt like maybe the answers were in the past. So... I went down the only route that I kind of knew how to go down at that point, like academia, do my degree, then my master's, then my PhD. And during that time, I I learned a lot of things. <laughs> I learned a lot of things about our modern society and why it is the way it is, it, it is. And I also learned a lot of things about myself, namely that, you know, institutions like academia and then later on corporate just, just... aren't for me and I guess I guess my 20s if I can sum up my 20s it's that I was trying to be something that I'm not that I was trying to fit myself into a box I was trying to please people I was trying to achieve because I feel that in many ways that's what I had been conditioned to believe that I was only worth what I achieved. The whole reason that I did a PhD was, yes, I was really interested in the the research, but actually I thought maybe, just maybe, if I get that doctorate, then I will feel like I'm good enough. And of course, what happened was I got the doctorate and you have what's known as a viva, which is basically an examination, like spoken examination in front of examiners. And after that viva, they said, yep, you've passed. I just went away and cried because I was convinced that they were just being kind to me and I was convinced that you know well it doesn't mean anything and that kind of that sense of worthiness that I thought would come from that achievement just never ever came and about two years before that I had already had a wake-up call. I already kind of knew that I was kind of moving down a path that wasn't really in alignment with who I am. I was 24, and my brother died accidentally of an overdose. And that was the moment when, you know how, you know, Sophia, when you have these moments where there's a before and an after, Mm -hmm. when life, pretty much like what we're experiencing globally today, like life you know, life is never going to go back to the way it was before, you know, that because you can never be the person that you were before. And there I had been for 24 years, blinkered, like, yep, yeah, I just want to, I just want to please people. I want my parents to be proud of me. I want to do all this stuff. And then, you know, I was, was met with not only this like grief that just kind of smacked me awake, but I think when someone close to you dies, you also understand your own mortality, don't you? And it was in that moment that I was like, okay, I don't know how long I have left on this planet. I want to make sure that I am doing things that are in alignment with who I really am. And the thing was, deep down, I knew who I was. I was like the weird, witchy, priestessy kind of kid. You know, I was like a bit of a rebel when I was a teenager. I believed in like magic and goddess worship. But I was completely terrified to. Actually, show that part of me to anybody. I think my my parents knew about it because they obviously, you know, they they used to see, or see all my books around me, be like esoteric books and things when I was a teenager. But I think there was this part of me that re- was really afraid to share who I really was with the world. So from the age of twenty four to now, which is I'm going to be thirty three soon in a couple of weeks. I know I don't look it. know um, <laughs> I do. Yeah, it's been it's been a huge journey of reclamation, really, in just terms of like, who am I? What am I here to bring? And yeah, there have been many more twists and turns during my 20s. But I won't going to stop now because I
1: wonder if you have any questions. And so deep down, you knew you have like this really like magical side to you. Mm-mm. What did that process look like of actually letting that magic out for you? Mm,
2: That's such a good question. So I was part time, like during my studies, I was also working in like a new age crystal shop selling gemstones. And that was really a gateway for me because I got to meet a lot of weird and wonderful people. Like that's the only way I can describe it. Like just really weird and wonderful people who opened me up to different ways of looking at reality. And so, and not only different ways of looking at reality, but also different ways of looking at myself and how I create reality. Because we all create, we create our reality all the time. The process of really coming back to myself was, and really owning this like witchiness and this priestesshood was in some parts about putting myself in different situations different communities so i started getting really heavily into yoga and i was part of a yoga community and that was part of the process and then also it was about illuminating what i wasn't so i think that sometimes especially if anyone's listened to this and says, well you know i i want to want to go i want to return to who i am i want to honor who i am i want to live my purpose but i don't know what the first step is also is Really, the first step is to illuminate who you're not. And those are those, you know, the, it's the things that make you feel heavy. It's the things that make you feel like, oh, like this, I don't want to do this. But not in a kind of like, I don't want to do this because I'm scared. I don't want to do this because it's like it feels heavy. It feels contracted. So really, I guess part of that process is really the illumination piece, like to really understand in many ways the what is it that I think I should be doing that I'm doing? What is it that I believe about myself to be true, that I'm not good enough, that I'm not ready, that I have nothing to offer the world, like really understanding that conditioning. And then I guess the second step is like the reclamation is like giving, I had to give myself permission to explore and I had to give myself permission to really get it wrong. And I had to give myself permission to also like annoy people, like, disappoint my parents, disappoint people. I had to give myself permission to not know what was next. So when I left academia, in pursuit of really understanding who I am and living that in the world, I didn't know what was next. Like I left academia, I bought a one-way ticket to the Philippines. And I was like, I'm gonna see what happens. And I ended up teaching yoga there full time because i think that when we when we allow ourselves to just really just jump in we do get caught like something catches us and we and it's like it's about taking the next step then the next step then the next step and that's that process of reclamation and it can look really really messy as well for me it was very very messy from the outside it looked like i didn't know what i was doing but every single Every single thing that came my way that I said yes to, I learned more about myself. And I grew and grew and grew and grew. So that's like the, the reclamation piece. And then that's what leads to the revelation. You know, that's for me, that's what led to a greater understanding of, of who I am, a greater honoring of like, oh, OK, like, actually, this is this is me, this is who I am in the world. And this is who I'm supposed to be. And so I went from being a yoga teacher to then being like, okay, well, maybe I can start um, a jewelry company and I can make crystal jewelry and I can sell that and I can like infuse it with energy and like, yeah, that sounds really fun. I'm going to do that. And then, then I realized I was hiding behind that because I actually I had so much more to offer. So I And people were asking me, well, do you do mentoring? Do you do coaching? And I was like, no, what is that? Like, uh, okay, I can try because I felt that excitement. And then I just, then I did it. And so what I'm saying is like, one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. And, you know, let's say six years, seven years since I left academia, now my life is completely different and I'm truly embodying, my priestesshood through mentoring, through writing, through teaching. So that's my kind of convoluted way of explaining that journey.
1: And for you, is there a moment when you started to figure out, even if I jumped, something's gonna catch me? Like, what was that process like for you to realize no matter what, I'm gonna figure it out?
2: Mm. I think it was just recognizing that looking back, like when we can look back in retrospect, and see do you know what like i've never been on the streets do you know what that you know i've never because really the thing that we fear the most is death like we fear we fear rejection because we think it equals death like our evolutionary system thinks it equals death we fear judgment because we think it equals death we fear not having any money because it equals death but you know i guess i guess really in very simplistic terms it's like well i'm not dead And I've got a roof over my head, even if it's my parents' house, because my God, like during my 20s, like I had to move back to my parents a couple of times. You know, there's food on the table. Like I am actually taken care of. And then, so that's like the survival piece. But then there was huge evidence that, there was huge evidence for me that really everything was leading to not just my survival, but also to me thriving. So it's really about, I think that, It's really about looking for evidence and seeing that every single thing that happens, even the bad things become a stepping stone to greater understanding of yourself. And it's everything is happening for you. That is a belief that I have, like, really, really a real powerful belief is like
1: everything is happening for us. And you've mentioned priestesshood a couple of times, but I have no idea what it is. If you could go and explain that for me. So priestesshood
2: for me is a is a portal to our living with purpose and also reclaiming our feminine power so one thing that I really learned during my time as an archaeologist was that um, you know I had felt that women in our global society are still in conscious and unconscious ways, treated as second-class citizens. I already knew this. And that the feminine, when I talk about women, I'm talking about the gender. And when I talk about feminine, I'm talking about approaches and energies, you know, nature. That the feminine is also devalued. This is why we're destroying ecosystems at a ridiculous rate on our planet. And so I felt this. What I learned as an archaeologist was that actually, if you look back ancient societies in the past and i'm talking particularly in in europe here prehistoric societies that you know four thousand years ago five thousand years ago that was not the case and that men and women the masculine and feminine were really treated as equal in fact the feminine was sacred we have so much evidence in places like turkey and greece you can see loads and loads of figurines of these like prehistoric figurines, 5,000 years old, of these voluptuous goddess style fertility goddess women. So we know that the feminine was sacred. And then what you see is that there's this decline decline of feminine power over the years. So what happens is, in prehistoric society, technology started to rise so you started to get more metal work you started to get more agricultural practices and of course when you have resources you have a need to protect them don't you and so this gave rise to a kind of militaristic culture where you see these huge fortified settlements and Gaia who was we're talking about in Greece here Gaia who was the mother of all gods was demoted and suddenly Jupiter the, the fierce warrior god became the head of the gods and so this trickles down into all crevices of society. So the feminine then becomes devalued. And a few centuries later, women don't have the right to vote. You know, they have the same rights as slaves, basically. And you can see this happening. And basically, like, we're still living in the repercussions of this today. But to get back to your question about priestesshood, during these ancient times in Greece and in Rome, priestesshood was a portal to feminine power. Whereas most women didn't have status and they didn't have rights, priestesses did. So a woman could become a priestess and she had access to land. She had access to resources. She had status. It was almost like a godlike status. So you have the the Pythia in ancient Greece, who was an oracle. She was probably undoubtedly one of the most powerful women in ancient Greece because she had leaders coming to her literally asking for her advice because she was a messenger of Apollo and then in Rome you had Vestal Virgins as well who were yeah who were almost goddess-like in their status and their their role was to keep the fire of Rome burning which is a really prestigious role and in exchange you know they had high status of course they had to be chased So they weren't free in the real sense of the word. And many of these women were chosen when they were little girls before they really had a say in who they were supposed to be. But still, in comparison to other women, these priestesses had status and therefore power. And I believe that priestesshood, not just in ancient times, was a portal to feminine power and purpose, but it is today. If you as a woman feel the call to create or to share your truth or to make the world a better place or to sing or to write or to teach or to facilitate or to heal this is the priestess. She is energetically she is this she is this energy of transformation. She's this alchemy. And yeah, if you are feeling that call to make world a different place if you're feeling the call to make the world a better place than you know to leave the world a better place than when you came in this this is her energy we have there we have access to so many different types of energies these are called archetypes so carl Jung called these archetypes these are blueprints of consciousness they're literally like a seed within us that when we water them they grow and priestess energy is this seed so in a way, in modern society, really starting to honor this magic, this priestess energy is a way to reclaim feminine power because we need that for our planet to heal. It's a way to access a sense of divine purpose, a sense of what am I here for? And it's also a way to, to create, yeah, sacred activism, to you know create justice on the planet And to make sure that we're living lives that are, like I said, at the beginning in alignment with who we really are and not what we've been conditioned to be. So I hope that answers your question. It was quite, again, long and convoluted. (laughs) It
1: did. did. And have you, have you always been like in touch with your feminine energy? Have you always looked at it the way you look at it today? Or did you used to think about it as, oh, it's not as powerful or how would you, how did that journey come about for you? that's a really
2: really good question i have always i've always been really drawn to feminine energy so i was like worshipping the goddess you know in weird and wonderful ways like from the age of 15 16 but i was also i was always driven by my masculine my inner masculine and for me i was never really driven by like the healthy masculine you know i was driven by the lower levels of masculine consciousness, because that's what our society is built on. So competition, dominance, control, force, hustle, like overworking, all of this kind of stuff is is the lower levels of masculine consciousness. It is basically the foundations of patriarchy, which is we are living in a patriarchal system still. Patriarchy values the masculine over the feminine and values men over women, people who identify as women or other genders. And so I didn't realize I was operating from this conditioning for a very long time. But that's really what brought me into academia. That's really what, you know, because nobody wants to work 12 hours a day to crank out publications and papers, really, at the end of the day, like, that is not enjoyable. It's enjoyable to write, but not at that high velocity, high speed. So for a very long time, I was was operating from this conditioning, the lower levels of masculine consciousness. And it was really when I started to, when it's really when I started my yoga practice and that was when I started to understand feminine energy through embodiment practices, through breath work, through sensuality practices, coming back to my body and allowing myself to be in the energy of receptivity and surrender but it's still a bit of a it's still a bit of a tussle because it's all very well being in feminine flow and just being like yeah like I'm magic but we live in a we live in a society that the mainstream narrative is not this. So it's very easy for me. And I think for most of us to get pulled back into got to do this. i am got to force and I've got to do, you know, mask masculine energy is always about doing and it's important. Like it's, we need the balance. We need the two feminine energy is about being, but if we're all doing and no being, we like life isn't, doesn't feel fun. (laughs) If we're all being and no doing, like we don't create anything. So there does have to be that that balance. I think what's happening on a global scale now is there's the pendulum swing, the pendulum swing, like have been all the way to masculine values. And then from the 70s, 60s and 70s, it's kind of gone all the way back to like feminine values. And we want to just kind of now bring it, bring it into the middle. But yeah, it's it's challenging with the narratives that our society gives us.
1: And can you go into like what the feminine energy feels like versus what the masculine energy feels like? Mm-mm. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So for me, and everyone has different experiences of this and really it's about, yeah, like duality is really interesting. Really masculine and feminine is a way to kind of conceptualize, but it's, so it's just a way to understand your experience. This is the way I see it. It's not like definitive. Everything is masculine. Everything is feminine. It's a way to just understand our world. For me, masculine, like divine masculine, healthy masculine consciousness feels grounded. It feels safe. It feels like a container. It feels like structure. It feels, you know, like the the banks of a river. That's the divine masculine. And then the feminine. So that's the structure. The feminine is the river itself. It's the flow of energy. The feminine is really, really powerful, but only when she is held by the masculine. So, you know, for example, in my day-to-day life, you know, I run a business, I'm a, you know, that's my day-to-day life looks like, okay, the structure of my life is I know that there are certain tasks that I need to do, you know, such as social media, such as my podcast, such as, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I know that's my structure. You know, that's the divine masculine, that's holding me, that's the context. But the feminine flow is the creativity, is the okay, I I feel really, I feel this creative spark to write about this. So I'm going to do that. Or it's the intuition piece. Like, okay, I just got this intuitive hit that I need to send this message to someone or I need to write about that or I need to go for a walk because something else needs to come through. That's the feminine flow for me. So yeah, masculine is always about like structure and groundedness. And then the feminine is about the intuition. is about the creativity. And it's also about riding, I call them the regenerative currents of Gaia. So we're talking about the cycles of nature here. It's about honoring the, our cycles. And again, this is another thing that our society in particular, a patriarchal society does not do. It thinks everything is linear. So you are supposed to act like the same every single day. And if you don't, there's something wrong with you. And then that's one of the wounds of the feminine. There's something wrong with me, I need fixing. This was the narrative of my whole 20s was like, there's something wrong with me, I need fixing. But when we understand that really everything is cyclical and when we align ourselves with these cycles, such as understanding what's going on with the moon, such as understanding what the seasons are like, such as understanding if you're a woman menstruating your menstrual cycle, then understanding that these different phases again, you you have different superpowers at different points of any cycle. Aligning our activities, aligning our doing with those cycles allows us to be in feminine flow.
1: And can you go into how you do that in your life? Like, how do you align yourself with the moon cycles in your business? Mm -hmm.
2: So I don't, particularly align myself business-wise with the moon cycles but I always like to be really aware I think awareness is the key thing so for me it's like being aware what phase the moon is in like we had a new moon just a few nights ago and checking in with my body like how am I feeling right now and just kind of getting aware of that also understanding like where I am in my cycle as well so like understanding that you know for example I'm mid-cycle now so I ovulated a couple of days ago and this means that you know my communication around about this time is always pretty pretty shit hot you know like I know that I'm going to be able to communicate things I know that if I'm just before my period the likelihood of me being able to be articulate is not as good (laughs) so it's like just really understanding yourself and that takes time and it also takes yeah, it takes time. It takes patience. And sometimes we want like, we want a chart, don't we? We want like someone to be like, okay, you're like this at this time. You're like this at this time, but we're all different. So really understanding our cycles is really about like studying ourselves. And I think also another piece is like the the seasons as well. Like one of the things that I love about living here in I live in the Algarve in Portugal is that you know, I live surrounded by nature. So I'm always checking in and understanding the seasons. And I'm looking at what's growing at different times and like, you know, different smells at different times of year and, and understanding like, oh, this flower blooms at this time or this fruit is blooming at this time. And it sounds really simple, but this is what our ancestors were doing. Like they knew when, they knew what seasonal food was. And we're so disconnected as a society now. But I think it's about understanding, like I'm looking outside now and it's winter. Things are sleeping, you know, things are sleeping. That means that it's okay that I want to rest. It's okay that this is a time for my renewal as well. So yeah, I think observation is like the key thing. Just like observe yourself and observe what's going on around you and notice how you are responding to what's going on around you not how you think you should be responding.
1: And could you go into Dharma and what it is?
2: Yeah. So I love the concept of Dharma. So Dharma So dharma is a, a Hindu and a Buddhist uh, concept. And basically it means kind of like, it's kind of like personal duty, but not in this kind of like obligated, like you must do this kind of thing, not in a constrictive way. It's more like in a, in, a, in a way that's where you're contributing. So, you know, a really good example of dharma is let's say that you have a glass of water and someone walks past you who's really, really thirsty. Your dharma is to give them the glass of water. That's what it is with your gifts. Like we all have these gifts and these experience and these talents that 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 are in the glass of water. And if someone else needs them it is our dharma to offer them. So in a lot of spiritual discourse dharma is really wrapped up with this idea of purpose, the sense of purpose. Purpose is about personal fulfillment. Dharma in many ways is about the fulfillment of collective evolution it's about contribution it's about playing the role that you are here to play in this lifetime and sometimes that freaks us out we think oh you know shit I need to be I need to have this grand purpose I need to be making this big impact and you know that again that's really really symptomatic of our society that is obsessed with achievement but really, we get to strip it back and recognize that we're making an impact now. Like you, Sophia, with this this podcast is part of your dharma because you may not even feel like it's having a huge impact upon people, but it is. And, and the thing is, like, impact, it ripples out. You know, every word that you say to a loved one or a friend, every touch, every look, that has an impact. Everything that you yeah contribute in the the company that you're working for like that has an impact so we can we can live our dharma right now it doesn't have to be this we don't have to quit our job and like you know do this whole like eat pray love thing to live our dharma although you know I would advise it because it's quite fun yeah we don't have to do this like big grand thing like it's I think the question, if Dharma were to have a question, the question is, how can I be helpful? Like, how can I be helpful? And we can go even deeper with is like, what is it that I wish I'd needed throughout my life? And how can I give that to others? And this is how we get to, you know, really live our Dharma. And it goes against our conditioning. Because conditioning says achieve conditioning says, you need to earn this amount of money, you need to get a mortgage, you need to get married you need to have kids you need to be a dutiful daughter you know you need to have x amount of instagram followers whatever it is that's like conditioning but dharma is like it's pure in its essence it's like okay like it's just so much more expansive than that because it's just about being you and being helpful day after day after day after day and feeling like you're contributing and then that also you know Creates a sense of fulfillment for you.
1: Can you go into magnetism? And how can we be more magnetic? Mm, That's
2: a very, very good question. So for me, magnetism is about, mm, in many ways, magnetism is about leaning back and being. So we can think of it in terms of, have you ever... Let's think of it in dating terms. Like, have you ever really, really liked someone and just kind of like been a bit too pushy with it and just kind of been like, you know, that your energy is like really leaning in and you can feel them like pulling away and they're not really that interested. And then, you know, there's the whole kind of like play hard to get or we've been on the receiving end where let's say someone really, you know, doesn't seem that interested in us and of course we 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 they're leaning back and we want to lean in this is like the dance between the the masculine and the feminine and this is really what magnetism is magnetism is about being once again it's about being so in alignment with who you are that you call in magic resources people that allow you to fulfill your Dharma, allow you to live your highest purpose, your highest vision. It's really about leaning back and surrendering and trusting that you are enough. It's about embodied worth. It's about knowing that you don't have to go out to get anything because you don't need anything outside of yourself to be okay. Like you, you, you're more than okay. Like you're a fucking bomb, you know? And so magnetism is that it's it's deeply embodying that knowledge and understanding that when you do, everything slots into place. Like the people come, the opportunities come, the resources come. You know, in my business, for example, there's there are so many different ways in which you can build a, a mentoring business and create clients. But, you know, one of one of the ways that I like is is by embodying that which I which I teach and so I would say well all of my clients come to me and say hey they'll send me a message hey I want to work with you that's magnetism I'm not going out being like dming them being like hey you want to work with me hey and they're like ew no like for some people maybe that works but for me that doesn't feel that doesn't feel magic and the way that that happens is just because I express myself as fully as I can I have a phrase like I have a a phrase I say with my women over and over again is that I'm a woman in process too so you know I think there's this idea that we have it's like oh well you know I have to be perfect otherwise I can't be magnetic or like I have to be perfect or I can't teach or I have to be perfect or no one will want to you know listen to my podcast or read my book or like work with me or whatever And that's just complete BS because we're always going to be in process for as long as we live. Like if you're not in process, you die. So you better be a woman in process, you know? That's what it is to live. And that's, you know, that's another important thing with magnetism as well is like, this isn't, you know, I'm not being and fully embodied 100% of the time. No, like I get pulled out. I get stressed by things. My neighbors annoy me. My dog annoys me, you know, like sometimes, you know, you know, my Instagram is like my algorithm shit. I don't know. Like, you know, you can get pulled out, you know, you can get pulled out, but it's about recognizing, okay, I've been pulled out. I'm looking for something outside of myself to make me feel whole. I'm going to drop back in and I'm going to recognize that I'm worthy just as I am. And I don't need anything outside of me. And that's how you become magnetic.
1: And can you go into the sister wound and how you're able to heal that for yourself?
2: Well, I'm still very much in the process of healing the sister wound. I think that, so I went to an all-girls school, which on paper sounds like it would be all like sleepovers and makeovers and all fun and stuff. And um, in reality, it really wasn't. It was actually a deeply traumatic experience for me because as I'm sure that you've had the experience too, Sophia, like teenage girls can just be like really horrible. and yeah, there was a lot of, there was a lot of mistrust in our, in our group, in our school, and it led to me really not, not trusting women very much. The, the way in which I am healing that wound is to, is to surround myself with women who make me feel really sparkly. Like surround yourself with women who have got your back. Surround yourself with women who want to celebrate your successes and are also there to just be like all oh, about your failures you know surround yourself with those women and there are so many women out there like that because they crave it too and one of the the things that's really helped me in in this healing process is to understand that when it comes to when it comes to other people's judgments particularly the judgments of women to recognize that very often when, when, some, when a woman is bitching about you or you, know, you know, not saying very nice things about you or not being particularly supportive, you are triggering them because you're a mirror to something going on with inside of them. And I think one of the fears that we have is that we feel like we're gonna to be too much for people. Like we don't wanna to shine too brightly because we don't, want, we don't want people to think we're too much, particularly our, our friends. We don't, want them to make, we don't want to make our friends feel bad if we decide like we want to do this and it's like really big and expansive. But, you know, if, if someone has a problem with that, it's really, you are just mirroring their own limitations and people's response to you is always about them. It's never about you. And your reaction to their response to you is about you, not about them. So we can actually use these situations to heal that sister wound by recognizing like, oh, I'm triggered right now. I need to look inside of myself. Where am I looking outside of myself for, for validation or approval? Like what's been triggered here? And then if you have, friends, if you have these women in your community or your, your life who are aware enough, if, they, if you trigger them, then that's their opportunity to also look within and see like, what is, here, what is here that needs healing? So in terms of the sister wound, it's about surrounding yourself with women who are doing the work, women who make you feel sparkly and taking radical responsibility for your emotions and for the narratives and recognizing that, you know nobody can make you feel anything. It is all a reflection of what's going on inside of you.
1: And could you go into your book and who specifically do you want to read it? So my book is
2: called The Way of the Priestess, a reclamation of feminine power and divine purpose. And really, you know, so much of what we've spoken about today, they are the topics of the book. It's a memoir, but it's also a call to arms for any woman who feels like she's not really living a life that is in alignment with who she really, really is And she wants to go on that journey of self-reclamation and self-discovery. And so, yeah, in the book, you know, I've written about creativity and intuition and feminine power and the role of the priestess. And also I share some many, many stories from my own life, some which are, you know, pretty funny. And then others which are really quite harrowing and even taboo in places like I was in an abusive relationship for a few years. And, you know, all the things that I felt that I wasn't supposed to say as a woman, I wanted to put it into that book, because I believe that truth, by sharing our truth, not only is it medicine for ourselves, but it's medicine for everyone. And it was the book that I needed seven years ago. So really, the book is for anyone that wants to live a life that is just more authentically them and wants to move past this fear that they have around showing up or being seen or being themselves and wants more clarity on what their purpose is what they're here for and wants to build their confidence and really it's like um it's a really potent activation it's like a uh, yeah it's just really activating in the sense and many of my friends who who've read it have said that they just feel like was the big sister that they never had. So that was, yeah, that was the reason why, why I decided to write the book. And yeah, it's
1: been such a joy to hear people's feedback about it. And what are some things that you've learned from people that you've interviewed for your podcast?
2: Oh, this is such a good question.
1: I think,
2: hmm, I think the thing that I have learned, there are two things that spring to mind. The first is that really, you know, my podcast and bringing people onto the podcast to have conversations, something always drops in exactly as I need it. So someone will say something and I'll be like, I needed that. Like I needed I needed that specific code. I needed that specific piece. And so for me, like the, the podcast has been Not just a fun thing to do, but also like part of my journey as well in in terms of the universe is always giving us these signs and synchronicities and it always comes through in my podcast. And then, mm, yeah, the second thing is about feminine leadership. And not that you can group people into two distinct categories, but if I was to group people into two distinct categories, there have been people who've come onto my podcast who are completely okay with the fact that they are in process and are still really strong in their leadership. And there have been people that it's like they're wearing a mask and you feel it. It's like they they are kind of, here's a persona. This is, you know, I need to look professional. I need to look like I have my shit together. And I think that's what's really interesting about, I don't know if you've found this yourself, Sophia, but I think that's what's really interesting about like bringing people into podcasts is that for me, just really understanding the nature of feminine leadership. The the ones that I'm really, really drawn to are the ones that, yeah, let the words come out messy and, you know, share like their process and say, well, I don't have it fucking figured out either, but like, let's try, you know? And um, they're the ones that I'm naturally drawn to naturally gravitate to naturally i'm like yeah 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 lead me i will you know i'll be led by you and the ones that pretend that like because it's always a pretense that they have everything figured out i'm always like mm, well that doesn't really that's not leadership so i think yeah for me it's a, it's been about understanding leadership yeah i wasn't expecting that
1: answer but that's what came out and <laughs> <laughs> um, what is something that you're really excited about right now
2: Mm. well so many things I mean I'm excited of eventually coming out of lockdown that'd be great and <laughs> oh so many so many things I'm really excited about my garden because this is the this is the year where we started planting vegetables and growing our own food and things like that and like it is just that's when you like really you really see the abundance of nature Like, for example, we've got this rocket plant that's just kind of exploded in our garden. And it's like, I'm just eating rocket every day. And it's just, yeah, for me, that excites me because it's like really coming back to, yeah, Gaia, like nature, regenerative cycles. That really excites me. What else is really exciting me at the moment? Yeah, the reception of the book has been really really exciting we so that it was only released a few days ago and we hit one of the Amazon bestsellers list and it was just like considering that I have quite a small audience and it was just kind of yeah it was just really cool and it felt like a really big quantum uh it felt like a big quantum leap and it also felt like ah women really want this work this is really really cool so that excites me and yeah sharing just being able to share with, with people like you and have these kind of conversations, like the fact that I get to call this work is just incredible. And I absolutely love it. And I'm just so grateful. And yeah, this really excites me as well. So thank you so much for this opportunity.
1: And what is something that most people don't know about you?
2: Mm, What is something that most people don't know about me? Oh, this is a tough question because I'm like, I think maybe people know a lot about me. Hmm. I, I really, really like to sing and I used to be a dancer. So yeah, I think most people wouldn't know that I used to be a dancer. I was really, really into dance throughout my teenage years. And then I gave it up at the age of 17 because I got really interested in boys. And that, and that
1: was more, that was apparently was more important. <laughs> What's something part of your routine that you do that brings you joy? Mm, Really so like walking my dog
2: because we live in like um, like a national park and you can see like the ocean from our house and then it's just like rolling. It's not really fields. It's like moorlands. That for me gives me so much joy just to see like his smiling face, like running around and sniffing things and just like generally being so happy about life. Like it's hard not to be happy about life. And yeah, that's part of my routine. And yeah, also, yeah, getting on my yoga mat, moving my body, that like embodied practices like dance and yoga, like that always brings me back to myself.
1: And what's something that you're learning right now? I'm learning Portuguese because I'm
2: living in Portugal. I've been here for like three and a half years, and we live in the Algarve, and everyone speaks English. But I decided uh, four months ago we've just bought a house here, and I was like, okay, I I want to learn this language. I love it, so I've been, I'm learning Portuguese. I'm learning permaculture as well, which is why I was talking about the garden, really understanding like how you can create regenerative ecosystems within your garden. And also I am learning, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always learning. So even with my work, like, you know, with my, with all my work, I'm still just, I'm always learning. Yeah,
1: I never stop. And if you were to go back in time, And talk to your 20-year-old self. What advice would you give her? Oh my gosh, like
2: so much. This gives me goosebumps because I know that there's going to be so many listening to this and I think it's just such a beautiful question. I would tell her that she doesn't have to do anything that is expected of her, that she is worthy because she exists and she doesn't have to do anything to prove herself. She can let go of proving herself. I would also tell her that the more that she follows her excitement and the stuff that scares her, the more she's gonna grow and the more she's gonna find out who she is. And I would also tell her that if anybody smacks her around, leave straight away. Like leave, don't even you don't even look behind you, just go. That's what I would tell her.
1: Thank you so much for doing this.
2: You are so welcome. It's been such a blessing and you are such a vibrant spirit. And I'm just, yeah, this podcast is just amazing. I just, I love the concept. I think it's incredible. And thank you so much for having me. Awesome.
1: And where can people connect with you online?
2: So um, I hang around, I hang around, I hang <laughs> out on Instagram quite a bit. Um at Dr Sarah Coxon, That's D-R-S-A-R-A-H-C-O-X O-N. Um, I have a podcast called the Way of the Priestess Podcast. So if you're interested in these concepts, you can check that out. And um yeah, also you can hit my website, drsarahcoxon.com, And of course there's the book
0: as well. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.